Welcome to Kafaru Cast, everyone. It's Tuesday, February 18th, and we have a, well, I uh, very, very rarely do I ever get excited about uh, products. Generally, it's kind of just refurbished and rehashed throughout the industry, but this specific product we're going to talk about today, I'm extremely excited about, and we have... Um, I was just going to call him the big brain, but um, he actually has a technical title. Sorry, Eric. This is Eric from Loophold, and he's the uh, your, the tech product line manager. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct, yeah. Technology products. Gotcha. So the rangefinder, you guys, this is your fourth um, edition of this rangefinder, and it's, a, it's an archery rangefinder, but what you were able to do was, I guess, say sync the archer's advantage program from Perry inside the big brain of the rangefinder so you can really marry up your bow to that rangefinder which you other than just sighting in with a specific rangefinder meaning 20 may not be 20 30 may not be 30 and just adapting your sight pins to that this allows you to to marry them up exact exactly as I understand it as, and as I've used it so far is that correct uh, that's correct yeah so how long have you been screwing around with this concept and idea because it seems like it's a pain in the butt you know i've been at loophole for a little over 12 years and i'll say that i started working on this product about 12 years ago uh i'm a, a passionate hunting archer i'm not a i'm not successful in the competition world or anything like that but we um we were doing ballistics for rifles and i wanted to do ballistics for archery and so we rented a big warehouse in Montana and bought a Hooter shooter and started trying to validate BC values on arrows, measuring every specific little piece, broadheads versus field points, length of fletching, fletching versus feathers. Uh, and when I got to the very end, the conclusion was I couldn't make it work. Uh, so I've been trying to figure out what went wrong for 10 years. And we finally approached the problem in a different way. And uh, I think we got a very good product. So so people understand kind of what we're talking about. Um, and some of this is for hunting, some of this is for the tournament side of archery. One of the things that this rangefinder does, and it's called a full draw four, correct? I should probably know That's that. Correct. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I was... I call it, you know, I have nicknames for everything. Um, Laurent, my rangefinder is called the big brain just because of how much it, it does. So don't laugh. The shooting close up. So when your arrow leaves your bow, before it leaves or crosses, excuse me, your line of sight, you actually shoot for, I say negative yardage, but it's actually positive yardage. Meaning if you shoot something at eight feet, um, since your arrow has not crossed your line of sight, you actually need to raise your bow up or your arrow will hit below the dot. Um, and it, so this rangefinder will actually tell you if it's eight feet to shoot it for 78 yards. There's no other rangefinder I'm aware of that, that does that. This rangefinder also will give you a basically an alert if there is something in the way um, of your your trajectory of your arrow. So if you range something at... 58 yards and if you if you aim at that and there's a branch at 20 and your 20 yard pin is on it with a bow you can see that this rangefinder actually gives you an alert am i explaining that decent enough or do you want to go into more depth yeah i we call the feature flight path and we're using the ballistics that come out of the archer's advantage 
And from that, we know where the arrow's high point is, uh, or the max ordinate of the arrow's trajectory. And so what we do is we just illuminate that mark. And for me, the best way to describe it is, if you have uh, any sort of obstacle between you and your target that's above that mark, you know you're in the clear. You're going to be able to make a clear shot. If you've got anything below that mark, then you know you're going to have to figure out, hey, is my arrow going to hit the obstacle? Uh, and then if it is, you can calculate back. So, you know, if for say your target's at 80 yards and the high point's going to be at 40 yards, it's actually something like 50.9% of the arrow's flight. Um, so you know that the, the tick mark is going to be at that 40-yard point. Um, you can analyze where the obstacle is from the rangefinder, just measure it, and say it's at 20 yards, then you know it's half the distance up the tick mark on the flight path indicator. Boy, that was a long way of describing that. No, but I, I, in, it, not, I don't know how you could have done it any different because, believe me, <laughs> as I was getting Q&As, I thought of about a million ways, and I'm like, there is no way I can knock this out in 15 seconds. Like, there's just <laughs> – so f from what, what I always explain, you know, pre um, – you know, just basic shooting fundamentals and in, in, in tech tips and tech tips and knowledge. If you're aiming at something at 60 yards and you take your range finder and you range a bunch of stuff between you and 60, if if your 20, 30, 40 yard pin is on a branch and you range that, you're shooting at that branch. You're not actually you don't know that because because of your trajectory, your cast, your whatever you want to call it, the, the arc of your arrow. What this is doing is basically giving you a way to not be maybe foolproof, but as close as you're going to get that there's going to be a hitch and a giddy up with your arrow heading down range. And it's pretty simple. I mean, I don't, I, I haven't actually um, tried to test it as far as winging arrows down range, see if I'm going to hit them, but it's certainly giving me an alert. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to trying it out where, where I see that tick line and how the thought process works. It makes total sense. And, I don't know. I think probably the most that would be applicable for that isn't like a run and gun situation where you're in a super hurry firing off a shot, but certainly tree stand hunting or when you get a like cold calling for elk and you can pre-range around you. Most applicable, you know, avenues of approach by elk, you can shift your way around if you've got a bunch of branches and I know that's probably a little more technical than people would think, but I do that now okay, this is probably where the elk's going to, and I will re-pivot my position just by saying, yeah, there's a good chance my, you know, my arrow at about the 20 yard range, I'm going to hit that. You can do that ahead of time, guessing where the animal will be with this range finder. And, and I know that doesn't probably seem that big of a deal in, until you wing an arrow at a 350 bull and it bounces off a bunch of shit on the way there. So I'm pretty excited about that feature on that range finder. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited too. It's uh, I, you know, both of them together in the same package. Uh, I wanted to put something in there that, um, you know, we've got the ballistic for the, the serious uphill and downhill shooter. We've got the flight path for the, the hunter. Uh, we just kind of do a little bit for everybody in this. Yeah, it's 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 pretty freaking cool. And I, I will say the one thing that I found with Archer's advantage was the sight tapes, you know, you usually had to fudge a little one way or another for the most part as far as speed. Like you you may be shooting out of your chronograph 278, 
but your sight tape's actually 273 or 284. What it sounds like um, from from what you've kind of diagnosed, and I tend to agree with you on this. The more you, when you mentioned that, I started thinking about it. The actual, it's the it's the chronograph is not the most accurate. They're close, but they're not overly precise. And I will say I could shoot through six different people's chronograph. And it'll vary plus or minus five to six feet per second one way or another pretty easily. You want to go into maybe a little detail about that? Yeah, I there, you know, 10 years ago, pretty much the only chronograph that people were using for uh, either rifle or archery was the, the chronograph that's got the two covers on it, uh, the little light chronographs. And there's been a lot of innovation in the rifle side, but there's not been a lot of innovation for the archer in terms of measuring speed and on those those old style chronographs there's you know there's no way to calibrate them there's no way to update them what they how they come out of the factory and you know what they do after that they're pretty much on their own and so you will get a little bit of variability and uh, i do think that that is why people might see variability uh, when printing out tapes for the archers advantage software and I would say, so just so everybody understands, there's some key measurements that the rangefinder is going to ask you for, just like Perry's program. There's going to be peep height. And what I've seen a lot of people screw that on is it's not the peep height when your bow is not drawn back, when your arrow's at a 90 um, and your string's at a 90. It's when you're at full draw from your arrow straight. If you're shooting a plumb bob or a laser level up, the distance from that arrow to your your peep height. So you need to take that dimension. And then there's also, well, you know what? You, you designed it. Go ahead and wrap it out what people are looking for on this or going to be asked for. <laughs> yeah, we, we've got three inputs, just as you mentioned, uh, the peep height. Uh, I, I will mention that it is from the center of the shaft to the center of the peep uh, at a 90 degree perpendicular angle. And, and that is how we measure the peep height. Uh, we also input the velocity and then the arrow's weight. Uh, those three inputs, we can get plus or minus a tenth of a yard uh, on any angle out to 175 yards. And so what I had been talking with Eric about is because I, and, and I, you know, fully admitting I'm bank- basing this off of my experience with Archer's Advantage, which I always would have to fudge a little one way or another as far as to get my, my sight tapes to line up with my my sight marks. So let's say if I was shooting, I took all my dimensions and I entered my speed, which was 282, let's say. Uh, when I would go and marry, you know, when I would go out and shoot, this has nothing to do with a range finder at this point, marked, known yardage, measured with a tape measure. And I would shoot 80, you know, I might shoot out the bottom. And so I would have to get a, a slower or faster, depending, sight tape by maybe oh, pick like three feet per second off. It doesn't take much when you're at 80 to 100 yards. It, a, a few feet here and there is, is a, you know, you start to really drop out the bottom or come out the top. So I was asking Eric, like, hey, you could fudge this if needed, which I think immediately probably sent red alerts in your mind. Like, what are you talking about fudging? Like, <laughs> what do you need to fudge? And what I was looking at maybe wasn't the imperfection in the, uh, a rangefinder, but more the imperfection in in humans and the the chronograph. Meaning, most guys, and you know, you kind of bounce this off of you. You go out, and your rangefinder 
even though the bales are at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 on a side end course, and they're exact, that's measured with the tape, then you go to your range finder and you measure that first bale and your range finder says 22, your sight tape's 20, and you need to shoot or sight in to your range finder because that's what you're going to be you know, shoot using to shoot at an animal. And at farther distances, I don't know about you, but I've seen range finders from one model to the next or one brand to the next to be up to three to four yards difference on flat ground. Have you found that? That is true. Uh, interesting, if you took a field tip target and a broadhead target and you put them side by side, there's a lot of rangefinders out there that will give you up to five yards difference between just those two targets at the same spot. Um, rangefinders do not like black targets. They, they range closer, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, usually, or am I uh, making that up? With the black, typically you'll get a longer distance. Gotcha. Uh, where the white, you'll typically get a closer distance. And what's happening there is is the, the reflection of light that comes back, the light-colored target is a very big reflection, where the black target is a very small reflection. And what the rangefinder is looking for is the start of that light coming back. And so, you know, what it sees is, is a, a light target being shorter and a, a dark target being longer. But we've got, um, we've got some real smart guys here that uh, have helped, you know, Intel develop their next generation chips and help the video and communication industry develop their next gen products. And, they were very good at the signal processing techniques to take those errors out. So with the loophole products, you'll typically rarely see a difference between those targets. I was going to say, I do agree with that, and I did say it ass backwards, but yes, they are different between, and there's some rangefinders, which this is, um, I won't mention any names, but one that I, I have and have used that it'll range 1,150 yards on a dull sheep target when it's 32 yards away. And then it'll hit 3250 and then 1624. And then I'm finally like, screw it. And I just range its feet because it obviously can't range. <laughs> the target's too bright, especially on sunny days, uh, which totally makes sense of what you're talking about. It just throws off the, the beam. And so it's not as bad on animals, but I tell you what, you get in snow and it can be a crisis situation with some range finders because they just flat won't range. And I haven't had that issue with your, one of the reasons I'm always using your, your rangefinder, your handheld, is I haven't had those issues where I get that crazy, well, I don't have it go full on, you know, exorcist and start ranging 3,200 yards at a, or at a target at 24, 26. But I also don't get the indiscrepancies. Well, I challenge people, I guess, if you're wondering about your rangefinder, walk up to a seriously dark black or a seriously bright white target stand in the same spot, range it four different times throughout the course of the day, and depending upon the sun reflection and how dark it is, it will change up to two to three yards from what I've found with almost every rangefinder on the market. Have you found, I've found that the daylight makes a huge difference on how bright it is outside and how dark it is outside for variables. Uh, it can. The, the same, so the rangefinders, most rangefinders that are used are, t are using the 905 uh, near invisible light there, and the sun actually puts out the same kind of light. 
So with a lot of range finders, what you, you know, when you start ranging towards the sun or in variable conditions, as you describe, you will, you know, on many occasions start getting some kind of funny answers because the rangefinder could get confused. We've, uh, we've taken a lot of effort to avoid that. You know, there's, there's ways you can set up a rangefinder either to make it, you know, range further, but potentially have some false positives. Uh, and I will say that we've spent a lot of time and we, we've been conservative in order not to have false positives. So hopefully users will never see a, a problem like that where you start getting funny answers. Yeah, and and I, I've had pretty good luck with that. And, and again, I, um, this is funny and off the subject. I posted something, this is how the industry works and it drives me freaking crazy. I posted something about that rangefinder, and I had three people saying, Hey, do you got a partnership? Are they paying you? And I'm like, what? I'm like, the rangefinder is just badass. Generally, most optics companies don't like you using six different companies at one time, right? I test optics for, you know, it's part of what I do. And this specific rangefinder was so, God, I hate the word groundbreaking because it takes a shitload to get to groundbreaking. It's pretty freaking phenomenal, right? It just doesn't happen very often. And this is over many, many, many years of sheep hunts and mule deer hunts and firing over the back of animals and miss ranges and, and all kind every possible thing known to man to miss a target. And, you know, I've been the guy beside the dude shooting, trying to range, saying, dude, it won't range, it won't range. And, you know, whether it be like you're talking about lighting or you just know, like, that thing's saying 76 yards, there's no way in hell it's 76 yards. I, you know, and I've only used this thing, you know, a little a couple weeks, and, and we were lucky enough, we actually shot three animals with it out of the gate, which was funny because... She's like, oh, you got it? And I'm like, well, we just killed a bunch of shit with it, with Riza, right? And so I was in these crazy steep cliffs and snowstorms and everything else. And I had three, well, two other rangefinders, three total, yours and two others. I was able to bounce off things with. And it seems like it's a bit more accurate with the cut um, in comparison to other rangefinders as well. I don't know if you want to go into the the rise and run and how the cuts figured out and, and some of the discrepancies that can happen with angles and, and distance. Do you, do you feel like driving down that rabbit hole? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can, uh, I can touch on it here just a little bit and I'll, I'll mention it in terms of the way that we output distances inside of this rangefinder. Uh, so there are three outputs in this. One is line of sight. Um, and for most people, that is just the actual yardage between the rangefinder and the target itself. Uh, when we output line of sight, we also provide uh, the inclinometer reading so that a user can create their own cut chart if they want to. The second output solution is the trig solution. And this is an extremely unknown within the industry. A lot of people misunderstand trig with ballistics. I think that archers, for the most part, understand it a little bit better um, because it's a little bit easier for them to see how sometimes the trig solution doesn't work. And that's at super high angles close in or, you know, low to moderate angles far out. But what trig does is, is depending on the elevation of the target to you, uh, it just provides horizontal distance between those two targets. And that would work great if you were in a vacuum, uh, but we don't have a vacuum on the surface of Earth here, and so uh, if you want to start 
kind of pushing the limits, then you need to start having a ballistic solution. And that's where we came up with uh, with the full draw four here is is being able to provide people with that ballistic solution inside of a rangefinder. And so, what would happen, um, or what has happened? Because I've been there. Is when you get past and always. Um like uh, past 22 degrees roughly and past 70 yards or both of those combined shit starts to go willy-nilly you're going to shoot uh generally high well not generally always high if everything is created equal because the rangefinder dealing off of i always just say pie but you're way smarter than i am i just chunk it chunk it up to that your when you marry marry up what the rangefinder gives you, and let's say it's 38 degrees and 74 yards, what you'll find is that rangefinder in comparison to a clinometer and a cut chart is going to be about, oh, two yards. You're going to be hot. You're going to shoot out the top of it by a couple yards, roughly at what I just gave you. And what I have found with yours in the limited amount, again, I've only used this couple weeks, Yours is much more accurate when you come to high angle shooting, steep angles, things like that. And obviously, again, I'm I'm not an engineer. I'm assuming that's because of the sight tape program, and it's more it's more accurate. Or am I talking out my ass, and it's not like that at all? No, nope. I mean that's exactly it. It's it's the fact that we're using a ballistic solution, and that uh, you know trig solutions are great for a majority of the scenarios. I like to say twenty to sixty. Uh, for the majority of people's hunting experiences, trig will work just fine. But when you start having tournament archers, 3D archers that are shooting, you know, cougars out of trees at a 70-degree angle at a 20-yard shot, you start having some crazy influences. You get a, a parallax uh, introduction on the uh, those shorter shots where that will have a big impact. And then on longer shots, uh, you know, the ballistics piece comes into play a little bit more. You know, it's, it's, this is the first rangefinder to, to put a ballistic solution inside of a rangefinder. So I can't say enough how start. freaking pumped I am because you know how many arrows I've seen fly over the top of the back of shit that's like reading 42 yards, but it's 73 because it's 47 degrees or whatever, 43 degree angle. It's a problem, man. Like, we hunt in the cliffs for everything. Goats, sheep, mule deer, even elk. And I I didn't want to, you know, undermine what you were saying about the tournament archer. But, man, I can say firsthand experience. Like, it's crisis level to guess a deduction on the fly more than what your rangefinder is telling you. Get it out of your brain what your rangefinder just told you and say, no, no, it's wrong. Let me deduct another three or five. You won't have to do that with this, or at least it's a hell of a lot more accurate. And I, I only bring that up because not that many people get that kind of shot, but cliff edge shooting uh, for mule deer, you know, when you're about just shooting past the tips of your toes or, or, or even greater than that, the cut can be up to four yards more than what your rangefinder is giving you if it's out there at 80 yards. Um, and I wish I had a chart in front of me, but you've already screwed around with all this. So how... When you were coming up with this, I guess, one, did you think it was ever going to happen? And two, how much did you find some of the differences between a, a range finding or any off a pie and, and your and then full draw four? You know, Aaron, you, you see more significant need for ballistics than mo- most archers and certainly more than I've ever seen for myself. So it, it's one of those scenarios where you can envision 
what you want to tell a person in a reasonable scenario, but then typically you end up in an unreasonable scenario. So, you know, if I go tell somebody, yeah, 80 yards at a at a 70 degree shot or a 60 degree shot, uh, they'd probably laugh at me and say, you know, that doesn't exist. You see it. I've never seen it. You know, in that kind of scenario, yeah, absolutely. You're looking at uh, up to five yards difference depending on your arrow input. I mean, I was just in Texas of all places and saw it for our dad. And one of the shots was it was 76 yards, and I think the rangefinder kicked out 43. So whatever that, I think it was a 53 degree angle, pretty much straight down in the cliffs. That was in Texas. So I mean, if that happened there, think about what happened in the Rocky Mountains. So for me. I am way more pumped up than obviously even you are because I've seen so many animals shot over the top that I literally want to cry. And truly trying to get the range out of your mind that the rangefinder said and deducting an extra three, it's difficult to, to do. Meaning, you know the cut's wrong and, and, and you're doing it on the fly by yourself saying, ah, about three should do it. Yeah, that's not the most confident feeling in the world when you have a 180-inch, you know, bighorn sheep standing below you at 76 yards. Yeah. See, even that's anticlimactic. You're not nearly as excited as I am. You need to come hunting with me. I- <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, <laughs> I was just thinking about how I wish I was shooting at a, at a bighorn sheep at 73 yards. <laughs> My mountain goat this year was it was closer, obviously, but, you know, for like, example— I mean, whatever, is close to vertical. It was actually past vertical because it was tucked under the rock. So when it first stepped out, it was at my toes. Now, I had um, the 1600 from you guys for that, and, and it was actually close enough at first it wouldn't read, right? It was like sub six yards or sub eight, which is a good problem to have. But put that put that goat down in that 40, you know, that same scenario where we were at, move that goat three cliff ledges below, right? You've taken 14 years to draw this tag. You've done it your part. You, the stock is good. You're just waiting for it to stand and, and whatever the distance is. And then you shoot and you miss because of, um, you know, the rangefinder couldn't cut the right yardage. So for, for me, again, I hunt in the mountains, you know, quite a bit. That is, there's no, no amount of, you can't put a price tag on that. And it is difficult to take the yardage out of your brain that the rangefinder tells you and be like, ah, that thing's wrong. Let me go deduct some more. It just doesn't, human brain doesn't work that way. We built this rangefinder for that shot. There's, you know, there's no other way to say it. That that is the shot where trig won't work, and um, and you you need something different. Yeah, when Riza first told me um, about that, I think there's a couple four letter words I threw out, which were no f and way, and how the f did you do that? Because everyone has tried. Not everyone. Most have tried to do that, much like you did, and like you said, you're missing a piece and you found it. So. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. And I, I pretty much every archer I know I've been telling about it and, and running it by them and everything else. And so yeah, I'm I'm excited for people to get this thing in their hand. And there's other great rangefinders on the market. It's just this one, I mean, having that and, and being able to navigate around steep cliffs is is huge. So do you is there anything else you kinda want to go over? How's the battery life? What's the maximum range, all that kind of stuff? Battery life, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it just kind of depends on how much you use it. It uses a lithium CR2. Uh, the battery itself probably has around 10 years of shelf life if you use it. I like to say for in golf scenarios, if you were to use this rangefinder two times on every hole and you golf six times a week, it would last about six months. Um, so that's a, that's a lot of usage. In terms of distance, 
we limited the ballistics in this to 175 yards. It works for both crossbows and for vertical bows, where peep height is just measured from the center of the optic to the center of the, the, the bolt. But we wanted to future-proof it a little bit there. So, um, you know, when you're putting, input, putting in the inputs, you're going to see the values go up pretty high. And it's just from what I see with where crossbows have been going recently. I think that's it. I'm excited to uh, to get it out. Definitely. So I brought up the battery issue. I recently tested some optical rangefinder, not from you guys. I went through two batteries in seven days and, and literally about shit my knickers because two animals, I'm clicking, and it's showing me the dead battery. I'm like, I just put a new battery in this. And when you're a, a backpack hunter, you know, that we were hunting from a base camp by a truck. I was able to go back, you know, even though it, it kind of screwed me on the animal, I was able to go back to camp and swap out the battery. Well, I just brought this up because obviously the technology in that thing, if that would be a bigger hindrance and six months is that's, you know, for a whatever, $18, $12 battery. I don't know what those little guys are. Actually, I think they are 20 bucks. Six months is plenty of use. I mean, that's a ton that gives you full, fully aware, you know, hey, you know what? I need to swap out my battery in June just to be safe. Um, you know, for the season, this just happened to me with the battery thing. So, <laughs> I'll tell you that um, a great place to find the the batteries for these is on Amazon. Uh, typical price is around four fifty or so. Uh, but I recommend the uh, either Panasonic Industrial, which is what we send out with the units, or the Energizer battery. We've done some battery testing here, and uh, both of those are significantly better than uh, the other ones that we've been able to test. Um, and from the experience that you, j you saw, I'll just say that not all CR2s are created equal. Some of the ones that are out there have about half the life of that Panasonic Industrial does. And I always use the, um, uh, the Energizer Lithium for everything, whether I'm running the 123s like my headlamps or whatever that I use, that use those batteries. I've had good luck with those. I haven't messed with the, the Panasonic too much, but I guess that's why I was about to cry because I did use those on this other one, and they still shit the bed twice in one week. And what I noticed, it, it didn't shut off for like 15 minutes. It just kept ranging the what I was using, and yours has a very moderate, I mean, it, it shuts itself off, obviously, not running for 15, 20 minutes, ranging everything in your pocket and everything else around searching. So... I, you know, I kind of, I try to beat stuff up probably more than even you would care for. Like I sunk it in the bathtub initially. I don't know if you guys say it's waterproof, but it, it was no problem in the bathtub for five minutes. I got no fogging. So I was excited about that. I haven't like thrown it down the cliff to test durability or anything, but so far it's pretty freaking um, stellar for, for everything. And again, like it literally arrived in the mail and off we went chasing our dad and I didn't call you because I wanted to kind of test it you know the the ball bearing theory meaning uh, my head's a ball bearing and I, I, I didn't want any help from the big brain and so I'm like all right I'm just going to enter this stuff see how it works and uh, man it was it was spot on I I didn't have to really fudge anything everything was exactly like I had hoped it would be and the nice thing about this if you're a um, if you're a guide and some guys, you know, don't think about this. A lot of them run range finding binoculars and those are badass too. But if you're a guide and you're in steep, steep terrain and 
you know, you're running standard, you know, binoculars on your chest, if you're calling out yardages for your client, especially in steep like mountain goat, sheep country, mule deer, whatever, I mean, this gives you peace of mind as well because that dude paid you for your services. And the last thing you want to do is give him a missed yardage and fire over the back of a 200-inch mule deer bedded. Um, so it's handy for that, you know, as as well. So MSRP, do you have an idea of that? I think Reza told me, but I, I don't want to misspeak. Our typical price that we should see in stores is five forty nine. Gotcha. So not not horrible. We're no, we're we're a little higher than where I wanted to be due to the Chinese tariffs. Uh, so maybe if those come off of rangefinders here soon, we might be able to see a, a slight adjustment in price as well. Gotcha. And and optically, I had some people ask. There's only one handheld that I that I have that that I would say is optically. Um, better, it's significantly more expensive because it it's did pretty dang good optically in low light. I didn't have any issues with that. Um, you know, brightness was plenty on you know horribly bright days, and obviously plenty bright on snowy days when it's cloudy. So it's got a lot of key options, key features that people were asking about. So again, it doesn't surprise me that you were jacking around with this thing for ten years because you didn't miss much. There was no like, how'd they miss this? I didn't, there's no like holes in it or whatever. So I definitely be proud of what you did because it's, it's a one of a kind and never been done before. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, we use the, um, it's got the red OLED display inside of it. So um, there's kind of been an evolution of, of range finders over the past 10 years. We started off with LCDs and anybody who looked through those uh, knew that early in the morning or late in the evening, uh, it was really hard to see your targets. Those products got around 20% light transmission, 25% light transmission. Uh, we saw a little innovation in LCDs over the years. Uh, eventually, they got the LCDs up to about 60% light transmission, but it was still black numbers. And when you get those against uh, a dark target early in the morning or late in the evening, you um, you were going to struggle. So. Uh, this product, we have 85% light transmission, and you've got the red numbers, so early in the morning or late in the evening, which is typical hunting time, um, you should be able to see your target and see the range uh, without any problems. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> on, on another side note, you had mentioned about the, the durability of it. We've had this platform out for a while uh, with the aluminum body. I've actually got pictures from customers who dropped their products in cornfields and had their rangefinders go through combines. <laughs> they still worked fine coming out the other end. So, you know, they are destructible, but um, they take a beating, that's for sure. Yeah. What is the waterproof on these? Because like I said, I submerged mine and I don't recommend anyone to do that. It's not needed, but I submerged mine for five minutes in the tub, only, you know, whatever it is, 10 inches deep five minutes and I had zero issues. What do you guys claim as far as, uh, you know, the waterproof on it? Waterproof is one of those hard specs. For years, we claimed that our products were water resistant and, and all of our competitors were saying waterproof. But when we would go test them, we found ours to be more waterproof than they were. We kind of coined waterproof in the, in the optics industry with our rifle scopes. Um, and I, w- I had been nervous to use that same claim because with the with the scopes you can throw them in a lake at 30 feet and come back in 10 years and it'll still be just fine uh with the rangefinders, you're not going to be able to do you know much more than probably what you were talking about in the bathtub um, i would say up to to three feet for 30 minutes uh would be probably pushing the limit but 
you know, it's, it's waterproof enough that it's going to last any storm that you get into or going through a creek or, you know, dropping it off into a, a stream when you're crossing over it. Um, you shouldn't have any problems. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, I would agree with that. I've had great luck as far as, you know, durability goes, uh, with, you know, with your range finders and I beat the crap out of everything. So anytime that if I make it through a season and nothing has fallen apart, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty jacked. Well, cool, man. I, uh, I don't know. I think we hit all, touched all the bases that I wanted to. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, I think that's it for my part. Well, cool. Well, man, I, I can't thank you enough for, uh, for coming out with this thing and sticking with it, I'm sure 10 to 12 years. You kind of sound like that chick with, that was chasing uh, Bin Laden. She's like, this is it. <laughs> this is all I've done. <laughs> 10 years in the FBI CIA. I like to think I've done a little bit more than that, but, but it is, it's always stuck in my mind as to, uh, to what we did wrong before. So it's taken me a while to get there. Cool, man. Well, yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming out with it. And uh, I'll keep you updated as I'm, you know, running running through its paces uh on all the different hunts i do but i am super excited and and if anybody has any questions um i'm not saying don't email eric but i'm telling you don't email eric he's extremely busy you i'm sure they'll get the email to him if he needs to read it but if i if you want i mean fire away questions uh my way and i'll answer them to the best of my ability and if if not i'll, I'll send you the loophole um but they're they're pretty busy and i like the fact that like i said i was able to use it Without any instructions from you guys, I programmed it in, and there was, I mean, it's very, very simple, very easy to use. So either way, man, thanks for coming on here. Thanks for coming out with the product, and uh, yeah, I'll keep you posted. Thanks, Aaron. Yep, take it easy. Cheers, bye.